Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Just the way he uh, is as a person. Um, you know, he care a lot more about just the football. Um, he want guys to, you know, uh, be a part of each other, be a team, um, learn together. Uh, you know, he's going to uh, put us in the best positions. He's going to give us the best calls. Um, we just got to go out there and play together. Um, and one thing he told us is never to call is the players. And that's true. We got to go out there, um, come together, play as a unit. Um, and that's how we're going to accomplish our goals. That's Trayvon Mullen, uh, the Raiders' third-year cornerback, uh, talking again about Gus Bradley and sort of how he goes about his business and um, how he goes about connecting with his players and how I think that ultimately is going to benefit Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, Richard Smith, um, uh, you know, the defensive line uh, coach. It's going to benefit them and it's going to benefit for the players because I think when there's mutual respect, I think when there's a relationship, I think when there's good feelings, good vibes, um, I think I, and, and, and it helps with how things are taught, how things are absorbed, the confidence that players uh, have and what that message is and what the instructions are and what they're being asked to do in the situations that they're being put uh, into. Um, and, and then I think that We've talked and we've talked about this quite a bit. When you have a command and a confidence in what you're doing and about what you're doing, that's going to show up. And if that can happen across the board, and I'm not just talking about a confidence that you have in what you're being asked to do, but a confidence that the guy next to you gets it and understands it and be- can be counted on to execute the play that's being called with the confidence and an understanding, if there's a trust level from position to position that all those bases are being covered and that everybody's on the same page, it's going to make for a much more connected defense. And I think that there were a whole bunch of reasons why this defense last year wasn't good. Some of it was just straight out talent. Okay. Obviously that's a huge, huge part of this. And I think that, you know, the Raiders obviously understood that. But I think that schematically, from a teaching standpoint, from a absorbing aspect, there was, I just think there were some issues with that. And it showed on the field and it showed up in some of the most critical moments. Uh, It showed up at times when to succeed, like you have to be air tight at that particular moment. Those are the moments, those third and longs, those third down plays, those critical moments down the stretch, a minute left with the lead. That's when you have to be in command the most of what you're trying to do. That's when you have to be like connected, tightly, tightly connected to the next guy on the field. That's when winning happens. That's also when losing happens. Chick Kern, the former great, late, great uh, Lakers announcer, when it came down to those last two minutes of a close game, it's winning time. It also could be losing time. That's the thing. 
but when you have confidence and you have talent and you have chemistry and you have confidence in one another in yourself too that's paramount you have to have confidence in yourself what you're being asked to do you can't play with hesitancy out there not at those moments not any moment really but especially those moments you got to know what the heck you're doing why you're doing it how it plays into everything that's happening around you guys aren't just playing oh go get the football that's not schoolyard football there's a connection. There's a there's a community aspect to playing defense, just as there is on offense. In offense, you could do everything perfectly with ten guys. One guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do. The whole damn play blows up right in your face. The same thing can happen on defense. Obviously, if everybody's where they're supposed to be except for one guy, guess what? That one guy could be the difference between getting a stop and not getting a stop. And it happened so many times last year in critical moments where you're just looking on the field going, where is so-and-so? How'd that guy break free? You know, sometimes you got to tip the cap to the offense. They ran a great scheme. They made the, they, they, their, their guys won the battles. That happens too. Sometimes football just comes down to one-on-one battles that, you know, one guy's going to win. One guy does a clever play call. It caught him by a surprise. The personnel grouping, uh, you know, it was, was advantageous to the offense. You ended up with, you know, a, uh, a slot wide receiver on a linebacker. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's sometimes, like I said, where you just tip your cap. But you can't be tipping your cap all the time in those situations. Sometimes it's on you. Sometimes you got to look at yourself in the mirror as a individual, as a group. And too often, that was the case last year for the Raiders. But what I really like about what I'm hearing right now is players expressing some, man, I like this guy. I like how he's going about it. I like how he sits us down. It's not just always about football. The football part of it will come. Building a trust level, building a building chemistry with somebody, building a relationship with somebody. When you can get a positive relationship going, with somebody and develop a bond with somebody, it's gonna, you're gonna have confidence in him. He's gonna have confidence in you. Um, you're gonna know what, 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 what makes him tick. He's gonna know what makes you tick. You're gonna know what, you know, how he excels best. He's gonna have confidence that you understand that. And it just breeds more efficiency, a higher level of play across the board. Now, don't, discount and i'm not talent you know that's it's going to be the ultimate um decider but i gotta say you know there's there's a lot of talented football players in the nfl okay there's a, a lot of talent there's no slouches relatively speaking in the nfl and there, there's guys that are better than others, obviously. And if you can get more good players on your team, you're going to be in a better position to win games. But everybody's talented to some level in the NFL. Like the margin of error, the margin of error, the, the difference between winning and losing, it's not always about the talent because a lot of times the talent is relatively equal. It's making plays it's producing it's executing it's who's got the best plan who's got the best game plan who's taught their players the 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 the, the most whose players you know are more connected or most connected 
you know, and it all kind of plays into it. And so I think the Raiders are off to a good start. It sounds like in the relationship building between the players and the defensive coaching staff. And I think that's important. I don't think that you can overlook that. Now, again, in Paul Gunther's case, especially with a bunch of new players last year, and especially with a bunch of newcomers last year, um, the lack of an offseason hurt. It just did. He didn't have a chance to sit down and really get to know Corey Littleton or Nick Kwiatkowski, right? And, and and the same for the position coaches with their with their players. So I, I'm not going to overlook that, but I just think the Raiders now are in better hands. By the way, getting back to Trayvon Mullen, I wrote about Trayvon. You could read the article over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, Vegas Nation. If you want to download the app, you want to go to VegasNation.com, whatever you prefer. But it's posted and it's up. And you know, you look at Trayvon Mullen. Uh, at this point, he is about. He offers the most certainty of that defensive secondary. And by that, I say, I don't think there's any question that Trayvon Mullen is a starter over on his side of the field, that cornerback. There's really no other position you can definitively right now say that about in that defensive secondary. Even at safety, you know, um, just kind of throwing this out there, but uh, had a little text exchange um, with somebody over the weekend and, you know, kind of one of Basically, the question was, because uh, I got this in my you know, Raiders mailbag that I do for the Las Vegas Review Journal, hey, are, are the Raiders going to have some three safety sets this year? And a little background on that, uh, more and more teams are starting to do that where they bring a third safety into their nickel or dime package, replacing that, a linebacker with a safety. Years past, more often than not, and it's still in the case now, but uh, in certain looks, you're replacing that linebacker with another cornerback. Now you're taking sometimes two linebackers off the field and adding two more cornerbacks. Well, some teams, what they're doing to, to create kind of a better matchup and a better answer to what offenses are doing is instead of replacing those two linebackers with two cornerbacks, you're replacing the two linebackers with maybe a cornerback and a third safe, safety. Why are they doing that? Well, that third safety is kind of that hybrid linebacker cornerback. What does that mean? Well, it means somebody that can physically match up in the run game. If, if out of that set, whatever the offense is doing in that particular situation, they pound it instead of throwing it. Now you've got a bigger player safety compared to a cornerback who's able to go be a force in the run game. Also, as opposed to the linebacker keeping the linebacker on the field, that bigger, that that smaller safety compared to a linebacker. Remember, he's bigger than a cornerback, maybe not as big as a linebacker, kind of in between there, but more physical than a cornerback in that run game, but not as uh, slow-footed as a bigger linebacker in pass coverage. And now, with especially with teams running a lot of twelve personnel these days, which is two tight ends. Again, those two tight ends, you might run out of it, you might throw out of it. So that third safety is, again, somebody that can physically match up in the run game, but then also has the speed and size to also run with a tight end in pass coverage. So that's that's the whole notion of why teams are running three corner, or three safeties on the field, putting three safeties on the field at the same time. 
my gut instinct was, yeah, I think the Raiders are going to, are going to do that, you know, this year. Uh, there's, there's definitely some situations where that's going to be, uh, part of, part of their deal. Long story short on, you know, just kind of trying to confirm that, like getting into the head of, of, of some people. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, for sure, that's definitely a possibility was the feedback that I got. But kind of still at the point of trying to figure out who the two safeties are going to be. I'm like, what? You know, kind of like what? Kind of thought that that was established, right? Jonathan Abram and Trayvon uh, Morig. That probably will be the case, but I don't think it's etched in stone. I think there's a, opportunities for some players, whether it's Carl Jess, Joseph or, or Tyler Gillespie. By the way, uh, just did a little bit of um, asking around about Tyler Gillespie. The Raiders really like Tyler Gillespie, uh, and they feel like he's really coming along um, in the above-the-shoulders aspect of, of what they're doing right now. Um, you know, Obviously, out on the field during OTAs, it's still – they're, they're going fairly full speed when they get out there in 11 on 11 and seven on seven and all that type of stuff, but it's not full, full speed. Right. And so a, a lot, even, even when they get on the field at this point in the season, it's still more above the head type stuff. Uh, Cause you're not getting the ultimate <laughs> final step, which is the running, colliding, tackling, being physical, fighting through tackles, all of that, that sort of defines uh, football separates, real football from the kind of football that we're seeing right now in OTAs. But long story short on that, the feeling on Tyler Gillespie is not only is he coming along on the mental aspect of it, but they fully believe that once the pads come on, he's going to show up in a big way. So keep an eye out for Tyler Gillespie. I do believe that when it's all said and done, those two starting safeties are going to be Trayvon Morg, the rookie from TCU at free safety, and Jonathan Abram, that box safety, um, the, the veteran going into his third year. But, you know, um, kind of conspicuous what was said about still having to try to figure out who those two safeties are. Now, maybe maybe it means that, you know, uh, somebody's pushing Trayvon Morg. Maybe that spot's not the solidified spot. Or maybe, you know, it's Jonathan Abram. I don't know. But regardless, um, that could be something worth keeping an eye on. But the long, the other long story short for the third time <laughs> is I think you're also going to see three safeties. Now, what does that mean? Is it going to be Carl Joseph and Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Morig? Uh, is Tyler Gillespie going to fight his way uh, into that picture? Um, we'll see. But I think part of if you're a Raider fan – one of the one of the good things to take out of that is that Kyler Gillespie is 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 flashing uh, right now. Uh, now, granted, um, it's going to have to show up, you know, on the grass and when they do get pads on. But there's a there's a belief, there's a confidence that that's what's going to happen when the pads come on with Tyler Gillespie, who is, if you go watch the tape of him at Missouri, is a pretty physical player. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 is online. Uh, sorry to make you wait there, Raider 27. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for calling. How are you doing, my man? Hey, Vinny, it's no worries waiting. waiting. You're, you've got it going on, man. That was a great monologue. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate it. that. You know, um, I agreed with a lot of the stuff that you said. Um, I just quickly, I became a shop foreman of a cabinet shop in 1989. And back in those days, you treated your employees completely different than I treated the employees as a shop foreman in, in 2016. And I treated the employees completely different 
and I became the owner in 2017. And my big thing was these guys will follow you because they want to. You can't force these guys to follow you anymore. In the old days, when I played high school football, they forced you to do it. You didn't have any choice. You did it. And now it's so much easier to lead when people want to do what you want them to do. You give them ownership. You feel like they are a big part of it. I told my guys every day, we, nobody, I'm not more important than the guy that sleeps the floor. We're all important. We're all part of the team. We're going to sink or swim together, and I think that's what you have to do. Now, as far as what you're talking about, um, I've, I've talked about the linebacker position a few times and how I feel uh, Gruden and Mayock are uh, building this team, and I think they've seen this third safety coming for three or four years, and they're just looking for the players to do it. They've been drafting safeties and big, strong safeties that can either play safety or linebacker for a couple, three years now. They've, they've been building toward, they've been innovating towards this because, let's face it, Vinny, the day of Matt Mellon in the middle thumping anybody that tries to run the ball between the tackles is pretty much over. You know, I mean, your linebackers do have to play the run, but they got to be fast and they've got to be able to cover tight ends and they've got to be, they're going to get matched up with wide receivers now and then. You know, there's just no way to get around it because they pay the other team's offensive coordinators a lot of money, too. And his main job is to get that linebacker matched up on our best receiver. So that linebacker has to at least cover for a little bit and hope the pass rush gets there and we get away with it when we get caught. And you can't help it. I mean, just because you get caught down there and you get in a bad matchup, that doesn't mean that your coaching's bad. That means... It's the NFL. Everybody gets paid. Everybody's good. I was a season ticket holder in Los Angeles for about seven or eight years. We went to, anyway, about seven or eight years. And one thing I learned watching almost every team in the NFL, the good teams and the bad teams, the level of talent on those teams was pretty much the same. The very, very, very good teams might have a couple, three elite players that the bottom-end teams didn't have. The big difference, the bottom-end teams beat themselves. The top-end teams did not beat themselves. They didn't make the mistakes that cost them the game. There were many more games lost than games won. So if you can get your team, that's the big thing with big with Bill Belichick. He, he's never had the most talented team in the NFL, but his teams almost never make a mistake. They don't beat themselves. Where a lot of other teams, you could you could throw the Raiders in there. I hate to use the Raiders as this example, but we've had plenty of talent for a long time. We've had a lot of players leave and go to other teams and play really, really well. And for some reason, at the end of games, the Raiders make the mistakes that cost them the games. And I'm not cutting. I'm not. I, I could use any the Lions, the Bengals, the you know, it used to be the Browns. You know, the difference in the Browns now, yeah, they're a little bit more talented, but they got a coach that got everybody on the same page, and they're not making those critical mistakes at the end of the games that cost them the games anymore. That's why they're in the playoffs. That's why they're a very good team now, is because they're not making those silly mistakes 
and then not making those mistakes is because they got a coach that gave the players input that made the players feel like they were part of the whole situation and the players feel like they they own part of this. They're they're a part of it. They feel like they have ownership in what is going on the field, and I think it makes a huge difference. And I think that I'm I'm glad I thought of that. The Browns are a perfect example because yes, they did get a few more talented players, but the big difference is they're not making the Brown mistakes at the end of the game that would cost them the games. And so, uh, brilliant call, by the way, Raider Twenty Seven. You know, I always appreciate when you when you call because you always uh, bring great insight, like you are. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think there's just a generally more of a collaborative effort in every line of work now, and there ha- and there should be. That's we're 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 just smarter. We've evolved as people, and and things evolve, and things get better, and you you understand how important it is to get everybody on the same page and to give allow for ownership and being part. And that's what ownership is, is being is, is, is allowing people, everybody to have a part of the process in the process. Uh, and then that's ultimately going to affect, you know, the, the final product in, and, and, and you're right about um, the silly mistakes. I, I'm not trying to point any fingers at Jonathan Abram, but remember how the Raiders lost to the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He left the guy that he was supposed to be defending to go freelance, whether it was because he was covering up for somebody else's mistake or he saw something that he thought he saw but saw it wrongly. In in any case, whatever the case, he left a guy wide open. That's why the Raiders lost that game. Patrick Mahomes saw uh, Travis Kelsey wide open because, you know, Jonathan Abram made the decision that he made. That was, as it turns out, a silly mistake. You know, I don't know if you're still on uh, Raider 27, but, um, you yeah. know, when the Rams did come back, I took some friends or, you know, got some friends, some, some tickets uh, to come see a game. I think it was in 2017. And these guys were huge USC fans, right? Season ticket holders to the US, to USC, seeing them all the time. And obviously USC, um, when it's going right for them, they play at a high level. You know, they're, they're one of the premier college football programs in the country. When my friends sat in the stands and watched the Rams and watched the NFL, the one takeaway that they had, their main takeaway that they had was there were no silly mistakes. Like everyone was aware they needed to be. Uh, there weren't, you know, like when you watch a college football games, how many times is some guy just running free? Like, where's the dude that's supposed to be defending him? You know, in the NFL, guys are right there. Now, you make the tackle, you don't make the tackle, you have somebody that's going to be able to, to make a move to, to break out of it, whatever the case might be. But you're right. The silly mistakes are far less um, prevalent at this level, and that's because the talent is so much better. Uh, you know, you're talking about 32 teams in the NFL compared to the hundreds of teams that there are in college football. But Raider 27, if you're if you're still on, it I makes do. it more incumbent that you don't have those silly mistakes that you eliminate them or mitigate them as as much as possible because ultimately. It's going to come down to a silly mistake or two is why you're usually going to get beat. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially when, and I believe this to be the case, um, you know, coming especially coming into this year, I think the Raiders have addressed the talent issue. This is, to me, a more talented t- team. Even last year, it was starting to move in that direction. There were still some issues on defense for all the reasons that we've talked about, some of it was talent. Some of it, I believe was coaching. Uh, some of it was circumstance. Some of it was injuries. Some of it was COVID-19. There were a lot of reasons why the defense just never got it together last year. But I think talent might be at now this year, going into this year, talent might be the least of those issues. 
like I really believe that. I really believe when I look at that defensive line and you add Yannick, Yannick Agagwe, uh to Max Crosby and Quinton Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins and Solomon Thomas and Darius Phylon and, and Carl Nassib and Clee Farrell, I think it's got the makings of a more than serviceable defensive line. Like it's it's got the potential to be an uh, asset for the Raiders last year rather than kind of the – you know, the the uh, weakness that has been in, in the last few years. I think the linebacker core is is in good shape. I think the secondary has some promise. I think when you look at the defense and you look at the talent, you can s- legitimately say, all right, there's some ball players out there. There's some there's some guys that can get the job done. Now we'll see if Gus Bradley and his staff are able to get these guys connected, get these guys in the right situations, create a scheme that's conducive to what this talent level uh, now is. And so for that reason, I'm really encouraged just listening to some of these players and how they're describing their relationship building uh, with Gus Bradley, because I think it's hugely important to what the Raiders are ultimately going to be about in terms of on Sunday afternoons when they get out there and play and the bullets start flying and it starts getting down uh, to some late game situations or third and long situations where that chemistry failed them so often, especially last year in critical moments. Are they going to be connected in those moments this year? And how much of that is going to be because of the relationship now that they have with their new defensive coordinator and the confidence that it instills and the command of what's being asked of them increases as well. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, so uh, a lot of people ask me um, where you can pick up uh, tequila embajador, embajador tequila. Um, Obviously, they're the sponsor of our show. They do a great job, and they have just great merchandise, by the way. Uh, if you're here locally, just to let you know, uh, Liquor World, XO Liquor, and Liquor Outlet uh, are three places that you can go uh, to pick up your supply of, uh, of, of uh, Embajador Tequila. You could also go, um, uh, if and I've been mentioned this earlier in the show, Michael T's, uh, the steak uh, restaurant here in Las Vegas, Every Friday night, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., uh, they have Aloha Fridays uh, where they've got live Hawaiian music, um, a karaoke uh, um, segment that goes on. Uh, the live Hawaiian music happens from 9 a.m. or excuse me, 9 p.m. Uh, to 12 a.m. And then the karaoke, karaoke with the Hawaiian DJ from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Don't be surprised when I pop in there because I will. Um Michael T's great friend of the show. Um, and you know, I'm happy to support uh, all these restaurants around town, uh, that are, that are getting back on their feet. Uh, it was a tough year for, for a lot of us, uh, and restaurants, uh, in particular. Uh, but it's really nice to see that everyone's getting out and about. And, uh, Michael T's is, and Embajador Tequila are celebrating with Aloha Fridays, uh, every Friday night, 9 PM to 3 AM. So go check it out. Uh, big news over the weekend, uh, obviously, uh, Julio Jones has now gone from the Atlanta Falcons uh, to the um, Tennessee Titans. I thought it was a good move for the Tennessee Titans. It was a t- it was tough with Julio Jones because he's owed so much money uh, that 
you know, at this time of year where, where teams have basically their rosters set, or at least the 90 guys that they're going to bring to camp and a pretty good idea of who those 53 guys are uh, and a very good idea in terms of the money allotment for this upcoming season. It's tough at this time of year to make it work under the salary cap with the kind of salary that uh, Julio Jones uh, is owed. And that was one of the reasons that while there's no doubt that the Raiders thinking about Julio Jones in this offense, that's going to make anybody's uh, ears perk up. But when you start talking about the financial uh, realities of either having to ask him to uh, restructure his contract, cut some players uh, to fit him in, it becomes complicated. This wasn't a situation you know, when free agency starts or when the new league year starts where, you know, everyone is basically under the cap, this is well beyond that point. So it made it tough for, for 99.9% of the league out there. The Tennessee Titans were able to make it work and good for them. And, you know, this doesn't directly affect uh, the Raiders, but there are some ripple effects throughout the league, one of which, you know, ends up uh, at the at the lap of the Raiders because, you know, when you look at their division, and the Ra- make no mistake, the Raiders think of themselves as a team that uh, if they can stay healthy this year, that they're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. That is the expectation here in Las Vegas. That is the understanding here in Las Vegas. That's the belief. That's the conviction. Obviously, things need to go right. You need to stay healthy. Uh, guys need to perform. Uh, but the Raiders believe they have the talent in place, the coaching in place to make a run for a playoff spot this year. Having said that, um, you'd be less than honest not to um, – when you look at that AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs are still there. Patrick Mahomes is still around. Um, that's a team that, you know, if you're if you're drawing it up and you're being honest, all right, Kansas City Chiefs probably are the odds-on favorites uh, in the AFC West. That doesn't mean the Raiders are conceding anything. And remember, uh, the Raiders are the only team outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, but the Raiders are the only team that beat the Kansas City Chiefs last year, full throttle, full throttle. The Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs when they had all their best players out on the field. Yes, the Chargers beat the Chiefs late in the season, but that was uh, a watered-down Chiefs team that understood that there was no competitive balance or competitive reason um, to put their best players out on the field for the last game of the season. All the seedings had already been in place. Everything was already established. Rest it up. Give your players, basically Patrick Mahomes and all those guys, the 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 equivalent of a bye week by not playing them the week before they got to go play uh, whoever it was that they opened up with. So when you think about it along those terms, the Raiders not only beat the Kansas City Chiefs full throttle in Kansas City, they should have beaten them again at Allegiant Stadium. I know what it should have could have, all that. But the Raiders took the Chiefs full throttle, full team out there. Patrick Mahomes and everybody else took them down to the wire in their game uh, at Allegiant Stadium and really probably should have won. Um, but they didn't. Uh, but the point is they were competitive with the Kansas City Chiefs. So saying that, there's no thought of just conceding anything to the Chiefs this year by no stretch of the imaginations, and believe me, the Las Vegas Raiders believe they can compete uh, with 
the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they're able to knock them off once or twice during the regular season and get some help uh, along the way from other teams and then also take care of business on there, and who knows what can happen, all right? So they're not conceding anything. That said, there's two types of playoffs. There's two paths to the playoffs, I should say. One is winning your division. One is via or via the um, wild card. And that is where the Julio Jones move does have an effect directly on the Raiders and a lot of other teams that are fancying themselves as legitimate uh, playoff contenders. And when you look at the Raiders' uh, schedule, the one thing that kind of jumps out at you is it's it's a pretty difficult schedule. You know, they've got the second place schedule, so um, or, or they have a second place schedule, which means that they play a bunch of teams that finish in second place in their respective divisions across the NFL. That's how the NFL does it. If you finish in first place, you're you're playing all the other first place teams in the divisions. If you finish second place, second place, third, whoever you match up with. Um, relative to your finish in your division, you're going to play the same type of teams uh, in other divisions. It's one of the ways the NFL tries to create some parity uh, from year to year. So um, it's a, it's a difficult schedule from that perspective. When you, when you look at some of the teams that the Raiders have to play, but and you can't overlook that. However, when you start looking at the Raiders schedule, one thing that really jumps off at you is the fact that, as, as difficult as it might be on paper, it also affords tremendous opportunity to be able to control your own fate. Because the Raiders, by my estimation, play a whole bunch of teams that you figure are going to be in that wild card playoff chase. In addition to trying to chase down their own division championships. Think about it for a second. Right off the bat, right off the bat, first two weeks of the season, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens at home at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers six days later in Tampa Bay. Or excuse me, in Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay. What am I talking about, Tampa Bay? Historically speaking, the Ravens and the Steelers are probably going to be in the playoff picture one way or another, barring injuries, right? So right off the bat, those are two teams that the Raiders should be thinking about in terms of bigger picture playoffs wild card. And oh, by the way, the Cleveland Browns, who could be the odds-on favorites to win the division because the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the same division, here come the Cleveland Browns, who probably are the favorites to win that division. They're also on the Raiders' schedule. And here's what I like about all of that. The Steelers, the Ravens, the Browns, all good teams, all figure to be in the playoff picture one way or another. All are going to be playing each other (laughs) twice a year, right? They're going to beat the heck out of each other, you figure. So you wonder if that's going to, can benefit you know teams like the Raiders um, when it comes to their playoff hopes. But bottom line, if the Raiders are able to take care of business in their meetings with those three teams, they're going to put themselves in a really, really, really good position when it comes to uh, the, the, the playoffs. Then you go to the AFC East. 
The Raiders don't play the Buffalo Bills this year, but they do play the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami, Miami Dolphins last year finished 10-6 and six, right on the cusp of the playoffs. They came to Las Vegas and beat the Raiders. Hate even talking about that uh, that that depressing loss for the Raiders. It was I'd never seen anything like it. I'm just going to leave it there. But the Raiders play the Miami Dolphins again this year, and that's a team that if they can take care of business in that game, that's only going to help themselves. Because when you look at the AFC East, hard not to bet against right now the Buffalo Bills. I think it's safe to say that the Buffalo Bills are a team that. You know they've got the best chance to win that division. So the Miami Dolphins, if they're going to clear a path to the playoffs, have to start thinking about the wild card themselves. And when you're thinking about the wild card as the Miami Dolphins, you're probably going to have to think about the Las Vegas Raiders as well. So that's a team that the Raiders can play, will play against. Then finally, you go to the AFC South. Maybe the Tennessee Titans now with um, Julio Jones, who I think is going to have a nice effect on the Tennessee Titans. Maybe that's their division now, right? Maybe the AFC South, maybe that tilts the division into the favor of the Tennessee Titans. Why is that important for the Raiders? They don't play the Tennessee Titans, but they do play the Indianapolis Colts, who... If they get a good Carson Wentz this year, they've got everything else in place to make a playoff run. That's a team that the Raiders are going to have to go play. It's late in the season, actually. Later in the season. So you look at the teams, the Indianapolis Colts, the Miami Dolphins, the Steelers, Ravens, and the Browns, and, oh, of course, the Chargers and the Broncos in their own division, the Kansas City Chiefs in their own division. The Raiders play a, it's a daunting schedule, but it also gives them an opportunity to truly control their own fate against a bunch of teams that by the end of this season are probably going to be in the hunt for the two wild one of the two wild card uh, spots just like the Raiders hope to be in the running for and expect it to be in the running for so don't shy away from that challenge I know it's a difficult schedule but it's also a very opportunistic schedule as well you're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM now back to your host Vinny Monsignor Yeah, you look at that Raiders schedule, and um, interesting. It's daunting. There's no question about it. I mean, every team we mentioned that the Raiders are playing outside of their division this year, the Miami Dolphins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, obviously their own division, Kansas City Chiefs twice, the Chargers twice, the Broncos twice. I'm not real sure about the Broncos. Um I think the Chargers have some improving to do uh, as well. Uh, I, li- I like their quarterback a lot. But the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, the Indianapolis Colts, pretty much every one of those teams feels like is being talked about like a playoff contender. And we already know, know what the Kansas City Chiefs are all about. That Browns game is on the road. The Steelers game is on the road. The Dolphins game is at home. The Colts game is on the road. Baltimore Ravens game is at home. 
I would imagine it's going to be interesting to me. And the reason I say that is I really want to see what Allegiant Stadium is going to look like in terms of being a real advantage, a home field advantage uh, for the Raiders. Uh, because starting with the Ravens, when they come uh, out to Allegiant on, on Monday Night Football, when the Chiefs are out here, when the Chargers are out here, uh, when the Miami Dolphins come calling uh, at some point uh, in the season, these are important, important games against teams that on paper, um, based on you know what happened last year and where they're have what they've done since then they look like playoff contenders they look like they're gonna be in the mix and the Raiders believe they're gonna be in the mix as well so there's gonna be some pivotal games this year this is not an easy schedule against um you know a a, a fourth place schedule this is a second place schedule against teams that you know we're knocking on the door you look at the Titans and Colts last year both finished 11 and 5 you look at the Steelers um and 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 Ravens and and Browns 12 and 4 11 and 5 and 11 and 5 last year the Raiders are playing all of those teams the Kansas City Chiefs were 14 and 2 so but the good news is and this is the thing this is what the Raiders need to focus on and Raider Nation need, needs to focus on you know, instead of kind of like, ah, golly, you have to play this kind of schedule. Think about the opportunities that it presents if you take care of business against these teams that, quite honestly, you're going to be having to deal with in terms of the playoff race. We talked about this all last year, and unfortunately for the Raiders, you know, it fell apart uh, at the worst possible moment in the second half of the season. But the Raiders were right there at six and three. And had they beaten the Chiefs, had they beaten the Dolphins, had they beaten the Chargers, they would have been 11-5 and five and knocking on the playoff door in that wild card division. We talk about that. That's a whole other division. There is what's called the wild card division. There's four, right? Four divisions in the uh, AFC. There's actually five. There's your division and the three others, AFC West, AFC South, AFC North, AFC East. And then you also have the wild card division. And of that wild card division, I'm just going to say that the Raiders, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, the Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, all of those teams in one form or another are going to be part of that fifth division. Because if you don't win your division, you got to start looking at the wild card path, which is a whole other division. And lo and behold, I mean, who else are you going to put in there? Are the Patriots going to be in that division? I don't know. I don't know if they've made the necessary improvements uh, to to now be a, a, a wild card team. I don't think they're better than the Buffalo Bills. Are the Chargers going to be knocking on that door? We always talk about the Chargers kind of, you know, being being a team that's, oh, this is the year for the Chargers. It just never quite works out. Um, but I wouldn't rule them out. I think the Raiders, based on where they were um, the last couple of years, six and three, six and four, I I think they've, I think they've gotten better since last year talent wise. I think they've made a necessary change as at defensive coordinator. Um, I think that 
they're they're going to be in the mix. But it's going to be a, how do they navigate that schedule against a bunch of teams that are going to be in that wild card division right there with them. The Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Indianapolis Colts. Those are the teams that the Raiders um, are going to be facing this year. It's daunting, but it sure is opportunistic. Because it allows, gives the Raiders some ownership of that. You know how so often during the course of the year, you may not play any of those teams that are in a wild card chase along with you. And you just got to hope that other people knock them off, take care of business for you. Well, in this case, the Raiders are going to have a direct say against the vast majority of teams that they figure to be in contention with for that wild card. It's a message that needs to be stressed. I'm sure John Gruden has already circled that one. You know, when he goes, when, when, when the Raiders go and play the Colts, when they go and play the Dolphins, when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, don't just look at this as out-of-division games. There's no doubt the Raiders want to win the AFC West. But you have to have two train tracks going. You have to have that Division One going. And you also have to have that next best thing going, which is that other division, the fifth division in the NFL. That's the wild card division. And the Raiders have a big, big, big say and opportunity because they're playing a bunch of teams that are right there with them, that figure to be right there with them. I want to say thanks to Devon Cotton, our great producer, for doing everything and making us sound as good as we do. Thank you to the callers. Thank you to the listeners. We always appreciate it. Thanks to Embajador Tequila. Thanks for hanging with us from 3 to 5 today. Uh, good luck to the aviators who are on right after us. And we are back on a regular schedule starting tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vidi Bonsignor brought to you by... Tequila and Bahar. Talk to you guys tomorrow.